Hi everyone, welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today my guest is Jay Wesley Olsen out of Arizona. Jay is an Instagram sensation, he's a family man, he's a super talent and he's got a great story to share with us. Welcome Jay. Thanks for having me Jack. It's an honor to be here man, for sure. It's an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to get chatting with you. So I'd like to start off by um, talking a little bit about how you fell into hairdressing and your passion. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride. I, from the, from the beginning, I, uh, I, I started kind of seeing shape and color, I think at an early age. Uh, I, I grew up a lot. I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house and, uh, I had an aunt that was, it was 12 years older than me. She was the last, uh, sibling living at my grandmother's house. And this was during the eighties. So she, uh, she went to Catholic school during the day. And I remember seeing the transformation when her and her friends came back, uh, from Catholic school. It went, it went from the uniforms, uh, to like the bangles. And, and this was in a matter of a few hours, but that was, you know, the, during the eighties, everything was so big and it was so loud, but during the day it was like so subdued. And I remember, I remember just being really impressed with the, the change that, that took place, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, the makeup, uh, the hair. And, and I think that's kind of what, what sparked me a little bit. Um, moving into, you know, moving into like my early years of high school, I started, I started kind of cutting on my own hair cause I have, I have very curly hair and, uh, anybody that has curly hair in junior high, uh, knows that this is, this is a death sentence. Uh, <laughs> junior high, <laughs> junior high kids, they're absolutely <clears throat> ruthless. And, and, you know, if you don't know how to handle your curly hair, you're in some shit, man. So, so there I was trying to figure out how to deal with my curly hair. I was trying to cut it. Um, I remember my mom used to take me to her beautician um, and she would feather it back all nice. And, and uh, you know, I, I felt like I was cool for about for about a day until that humidity got me. And then, and then I was in trouble again. So so I think I think I was always kind of messing with it. Getting into high school, I I started, you know, obviously I've been cutting my own hair and uh, played a lot of sports in high school. So so I I. Um, I would line up the football team and the basketball team. So, it was, I mean, it was, it was very visual. It was very like, you know, trimming the bushes outside of your house. But, uh, but I kind of fell in love with color too. And uh, I remember during that time was when, uh, um, I don't know if, it, if you guys are familiar with the band uh, 311, but there was a guy that played bass for 311. I can't remember his name offhand, but he had the, he had the, the shaved head and it was bleached. And during, during the, during the nineties, that was just, that was it. Like you had to do the same turn and it was bleached. I think one of the beastie boys did it at that time too. So, um, I remember we had, uh, we had all my friends and this is before Eminem of course, but we had all my friends that would bleach their hair. And it was like that, like that cheese color, like macaroni noodle yellow. Uh, but we thought, I call that hustler blonde. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, it was, it was thinking about it now is awful, but, but I remember we, and of course we all traveled around together. And so I, I can't, I can't imagine what we looked like with our heads like that all in, all in the little group of like five. Uh, but I would just, I remember, uh, you know, there was limited bleach at the time. And I mean, we would just fry, fry ourselves. I, I remember, I remember, uh, blisters. I remember, you know, figuring out every which way possible to, to try and get it hotter. I would put on like a, 
like a dome uh, aluminum foil thing that I built and just, you know, you couldn't feel your head for three days, but, but you got a nice shade of yellow out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not what you're doing in the salon now. You know, Hey, products, products have really evolved. Products have changed for sure. So you're at high school, you're doing all your mates hair, you're doing your own hair, you sort of liking it. And so what happened? So high school in the US goes on till 18, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, went on till about 18. I, you know, I grew up in kind of an old school house. My father was, my father was a coach. And uh, in the neighborhood, um, if, you, if you did anything close to hair or makeup, you were immediately labeled as gay. And, and in that neighborhood, uh, that, was, that, was, that was bad news for me. Like as a, as, a, as a young dude trying to be as, have as much bravado as possible and trying to impress his father, um, that, that, that was, that was hard to deal with. Cause that was still, mm. that was still the stereotype at the time. So it was, it was, it was interesting because here I was doing all this and loving it, but I wouldn't, in my mind, it wouldn't click that, that I could actually do this, this, this passion that I had. So here, here I am, you know, getting out of high school and really, really spinning my wheels. And I remember for some reason at, at the time it was, you know, we're talking about 30 years ago, man. So it was like, uh, for some reason I had, I had a negative connotation in my mind of being a hairdresser. And I don't, I think that that kind of went with, with, you know, the stereotype of being gay. I don't really know. It's, you know, how I was raised and the era as well, though, I think the the era era. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so here I am trying to be as big as tough as I can, but I'm also, I'm also like really enjoying makeup and I'm really enjoying hair. So it was, it was a, it was kind of a, it was a conundrum for me. It was, uh, and it was, it was hard. So I, so my, my answer at the time was, Oh, I'm, I'm not a hairdresser. You know what I mean? Because Mm. then I couldn't be associated with being gay. Very, very strange. But we're talking about a 17 year old man, you know what I mean? Or trying to be a man. Um, so here I am spinning my wheels in junior college, not, not loving anything that I'm doing except for doing hair. And, uh, and it, it, I ran into this guy, I was working in a clothing store. I ran into this guy, uh, that looked like Lenny Kravitz, like just, just the coolest looking dude. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking like, you know, who does this guy sing for? Like who, so I finally, I finally got the balls to ask him. I was like, Hey, like what, what, what band do you sing for? You're the, you're the coolest looking dude that comes in here. You spend all this money. Like you're the man, you know? And he was like, oh, shit, I'm a, I'm a hairdresser. Like, I, I do hair. I do hair right down the street. And I was like, whoa. And I remember, like, you never believe this, but I remember thinking what fell out of my mouth was, wow, you're not gay. And he was like, I didn't know you had to be. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, some, something very small, like, well, there was an immense shift, like, immediately in, like, kind of, you know, because here I was idolizing this guy for a couple of months. And then he immediately just... I feel like shattered that, that wall that I had, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was cool getting to know him. He, it was funny because he was like, I go, Hey, I do some hair too. And he was like, Oh, let me see in the back at the time, you know, there was no social media at the time. I ran to the back and I had a trapper keeper. You remember those trapper keepers that, that, that you kept all your books and uh, studies in? Oh, okay. School? Yeah. That's a good job. You and, explained uh, that one. Right. <laughs> So I had, I had all these like 35 millimeter pictures of this, of this wild hair that I did. I mean, it was completely cool and, and very chunky with the highlights and everything. 
But uh, but he was he laughed a little bit. It was like, oh, you should come and see. You should come in and watch me do hair. See if my if maybe you might be interested in being a hairdresser. So so that was that was my intro. I went in and I saw him, and I was just blown away by how he handled his business, by by you know uh, how he took how passionate he was about his craft, um, how serious he took uh, you know you know making money and being a business. Um, and he was an independent stylist at the time. So I, I was just blown away by this guy. And, and I jumped into hair school literally the next day I signed up for hair school. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I got done with hair school, uh, like a year and a half later. And I remember call, you know, we had kept in contact, uh, and for some reason he, he gave me a chance and was always checking on me and we kept in contact. And, and he said, uh, I called him one day. I was like, you know what, Anderson, thank you so much. Um, you know, you're the one that kind of catapulted me into this. You're the one that broke down the stereotypes for me and really, really crushed those, those walls for me. Um, you know, I, I owe this to you. And he, he was like, he was like, man, I'm proud of you. Like, well done. He's like, I have a secret to tell you though. And I was like, what's that, man? And he was like, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? I was like, no shit. Like, like, and, and, like, he was like, you know, I could tell you as a young man, like you, you were a little like weird about that for some reason. And he goes, I could just feel the vibe. And he goes, you know, you probably would have became a hairdresser at some point, but you know, not, not as soon as you did. So, and you know, we still talk a little bit here and there now. And, uh, he was the one that really kind of shattered that, that stereotype. And, you know, it's funny, uh, right after that, it must've been like within the year it's you, you go into that, like, uh, like who are you trying to impress and like who, like why you, you kind of understand how you were raised and understand how you were thinking. And, uh, it, it just kind of made sense. Obviously like that stereotype has been shattered and, and, you know, and, and I was, and I've been more than comfortable being a hairdresser, but it, but it was, it was an interesting, uh, journey that, that finally snapped me out of that like old school, mentality and and really just trying to you know impress the guy as an impress my my yeah well i mean look at you now i mean you must have impressed lots of people with how successful you've been and it, for that magical moment where you suddenly just thought oh i can st- i can do this it's okay and then to go on and do it and do so well that's a great that's a great intro story and of course we don't have to live in that world so much anymore obviously there are still biases and bigotry and all that stuff out there but I think that you know times times have changed and if you put it in a historical context you can totally see how that that could happen to a young man so it's brilliant what happened after college then does college did you grow up in Arizona yeah I grew up in Arizona born and raised in Arizona me and my wife are actually both born and raised in Arizona she she grew up down the street from me um, she's a little bit younger though. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I never saw her in the area, but when we finally met later, um, you know, all the stories made sense and, you know, the, the hometown feeling happened. And then that's, that's, that's when we re- really kind of took off as a couple. So yeah, born and raised in Mesa, um, college, I never made it through, uh, just because I wasn't, you know, I can't do anything that I'm not passionate about. And, uh, and I just wasn't pot- passionate about college at the time, you know, and who's to say how that might change later, but, but I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. And, you know, hairdressing was starting to take off for me. So, so I jumped into hairdressing. Um, school was incredible. I love school. I was fortunate enough to go to, uh, uh, to a Karsten Institute is what it was called. 
And Karsten, actually, what, what blew me away about this man was that he, you know, in the 50s, Jack, uh, and earlier, the U.S. had no idea how to do hair. You know, we did, we, they did beehives, and, and, which, which is cool. But, like, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of European flair to, to hairdressing in, in the U.S. So mm-hmm. they, I don't, I don't know how the program actually worked, but people were uh, able to come into the U.S., and and start their businesses and there was there was four there was four hairdressers that brought that european flair um uh and the techniques to arizona and the guy that i was fortunate enough to mentor under karsten wilms uh was one of them so and this man still to this day he must be i think he's got to be about 86 years old and he's still is doing hair behind the chair every day of this man. That's the great thing about our industry. You can be any age, can't you? Mm-hmm. You can do any age. So your career sort of veered, is, is gone in two ways. You, um, obviously, you've finished qualifying. You're an educator and you're also a salon owner, which is fantastic because that, for me, that means that the education is commercial and salon friendly. Mm-hmm. How did you get into education? So education for me was, uh, and it's interesting, going back to like the competitive young man in me. I didn't, I didn't really have, I didn't have an interest in, in educating. I had an interest in being competitive. And, and there was a woman that came from L'Oreal Professional in, in, uh, in the Arizona area. And I remember she came from salon to salon. She said, hey, I heard you're, you're an amazing colorist. Um, you know, I'm holding auditions for uh, the L'Oreal professional uh, team as far as being an educator. And I was like, auditions, what do you mean? And she goes, well, it's basically like a contest. Like you're going to do hair in front of me and you're going you're gonna to present how you do the hair. And then I'm going to pick who I think is the best. And that, the education thing didn't click for me, but, but, but her deciding who was the best did so that that's that's what that's what drew me to educating um so so i had so i was basically it was almost like an american idol type thing like i had to compete to see who was best i got i got the i got the place uh, and i was able to be um a representative for arizona for l'oreal professional right. which i considered like <clears throat> at the time and still now l'oreal professional the, the biggest beauty brand, brand in the world so i was I was, I was honored to, to, uh, you know, to get that badge. And, and I was excited to, to see what came from that. Um, I think, you know, what did come from it though, is, is basically at the time, at the time, nobody wanted to share techniques, Jack, everybody kind of like mm. hid their, hid their stuff. And, and they tried to get better that way by, by not letting anybody see what they were doing. And, uh, and I think that kind of came from a, pe- a fear perspective as far as not wanting to be judged on what they were doing. Um, and well, I, think uh, people, I think people were frightened of showcasing their skill set in case other people picked it up and then did best for them and left them and they were left behind. Right? And the reality, of course, is if you share, you all grow together Amen. because somebody always has a different perspective everyone has a different taste level mm-hmm. and things and you were doing balayage of course in the US at that point yeah and of course we all know everyone paints differently and it's it's about a taste level and it's as unique as your fingerprint so it's so beautiful about balayage man and even hair color in general um and you know that's that's what we preach now is you can you can you're doing the exact same technique as the person next to you but it's how you do it it's your eye it's your placement that that separates you from the person next to you yeah so 
I was so so I'm in I'm kind of like in this like spy mode in L'Oreal Professional. I'm trying to get close to the national team because I want to I want to I'm trying to steal what they know. You know what I mean? So we're at these we're at these uh, we're at these large gatherings. And I, and I remember this is where my thoughts shifted on education. Um, I walked by that national team like like I'm sneaky being this big. And yeah, I, I mean, kept like, for the audience, for the audience, Jay's six foot four and he's literally covered in tattoos. So it's like he's not sneaking anywhere. I'm not sneaking anywhere. No. So no. I'm 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 quietly creeping around their table. And I remember uh, uh, Joseph DiMaggio. Yes. Are you, I, you, I know. Okay, Joseph, so yeah. so Joseph, I figured you would. So Joseph DiMaggio uh, all of a sudden stood up and he was like, hey, man. Are you looking for a place to sit? <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, sure, of course. So I sat right down next to him. Love, I love that guy. Tremendously talented. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, what's up? Like, what's going on with you? And they all, you know, I'm sitting there with, like, Susie Bond. Uh, you know, I love Joe, Susie. Joe, Joe Blackwell. Um, yeah. uh, let's see. Who, who else was there? Joseph DiMaggio. And, and just the whole, the whole national team at that time. And I remember them asking and like really caring what my answer was about like what I was doing, what I was interested in, you know, what, what my troubles were at the time uh, with, with hair color or anything else. And I remember them so freely giving me this information. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like it's working. Like I've infiltrated the system, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're being so kind and so generous and so giving. And I mean, we must have sat there the whole, uh, an entire two hours and they, they gave me everything that they had. And I remember getting up and I remember thinking and being like, just feeling full of gratitude. I remember thinking like, if these people at the top of the world that, you know, I consider them the top of the world hairdressers, if they will share everything with me, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I share? And, and they're sharing and they're at the top of their game and the top of the beauty industry. Like I, I should do that too. Like why, you know, why wouldn't I jump on board with something like that? And I think, I think internally I wanted to, to do that anyways, but that was, that was the game changer for me was sitting at the table with them that day and learning that you could share and get back 10 times more. Absolutely. And I think that's a true, that's a really good educator that does that as well. And I love, I loved working with the U S team because they were always so supportive and of new talents and of each other. So very cool. There's still Jack Howard uh, legends going around, going, going around that team. Absolutely. <laughs> that, rather worry, that rather worries me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other, some of those are a whole other, that's a whole other podcast, maybe. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast, yeah. So you, you'd, were you painting hair at that point? Yeah, so uh, at that point, I, I was really trying to figure out how to create, you know, I, I was obsessed with the gradient. In, in the hair. I was obsessed with the transition. I was obsessed with trying to meticulously figure out how to make that, that, that seamless transition from, from the darker tone to the lighter tone or vice versa. And, and I remember just fully immersing myself in, in, in trying to make that happen. Uh, and uh, I had, I had looked into who even does this. So I, I kind of figured out through, uh, uh, through kind of digging in the crates and, and figuring out, you know, in, in the hairdressing world, like I just, I, w- I was really searching for, you know, what this was called. And that's when I found out that that was called balayage. Yeah. Um, that transition, if you can nail that, you've, you've made it, haven't you really? Because that's the key piece of it, the transition. Absolutely, man. 
Absolutely. And I, I remember, I remember just working so hard and I, you know, the, the woman that I was dating at the time, I think we, we would go six, eight hours at a time, just trying to create that perfect, that perfect transition. What was, what was awesome about that is that I had worked on that for, I couldn't tell you how many months to, to years almost. And then that's when the Victoria's Secret models came out and they all were rocking the balayage. Yeah. And I had been, I had been practicing it for so long. Um, I made my way to New York and, and uh, trained with uh, Nancy Braun. Oh, Nancy comes up every time on this podcast. She's like, she's like the, the, the piece that holds us all together because of uh-huh. course she is, she's coming on this podcast. She is just, she is it as far yeah, as I'm concerned. She's, she's the woman that, yeah, she brought it to the USA and to the world really. I, and that's and that's what I was after. I was like, I have to find this woman, you know, Nancy Brown. I got I got to find it. Um, and so I got I got a little time with her. I got time with the L'Oreal, um, you know, highlighting and balayage team in, you know, Teresa and Min Kim. And and uh, and that's that's when things really they helped me to uh, to really start to, to dial it in as far as what, you know, all these little things that I was just kind of making up in order to make that transition uh, happen. Um, they were the ones that, that really uh, sealed the deal and gave me all the details to not only make it happen, but you know, how you, how you apply the balayage, uh, saturation, all that stuff. And so that was, that was when things really started to take off as well as the trend started to catch on, you know? So, yes. so that was the awesome part is the trend hadn't even happened and I caught it right at an amazing time. Um, and, uh, and, you know, really fortunate as far as the timing, because no one in Arizona knew what the hell I was talking about. I would just have to show them pictures. And of course you say balayage and it excites people, you know, it's, it's a beautiful word. Yeah. It's a beautiful art. People, people watching me do it. Like I'd have little crowds at the, at the salon and, and, you know, no one, no one knew how to explain it or, or had seen it before, even though it had been around since the seventies and probably earlier. And, yeah, uh, I- and, it's certainly, I think that you're probably talking around about 2010 at this point, aren't you? Yes. If I think about that, because uh-huh. I'd just come back to the UK and of course, nobody was talking about it there either. And so it was that moment that it kind of just blew up. And mm-hmm. if you'd been on the train beforehand, it was a great, it was a great moment to be a colorist, a commercial oh, yeah. colorist. So you're you're with Nancy, you're with the crew, you're refining your art. It's blown up. Yeah. What happened next? Um, well, because you're a little bit of a trailblazer, aren't you? You <laughs> you have done slightly unorthodox in some of the things you've done, which I think is great because you learn so much in that. But you are definitely a, a trailblazer as far as what you're about to tell us. Mm. Yeah, I. You know, it's funny. I I I've I've been so fortunate fortunate enough to just, I feel like being the right place at the right time. But, but, you know, I really feel like if you bust your ass and you just keep your foot on the gas pedal, you're going to continue to end up at the right place at the right time. And even more so you're going to be ready when the opportunity presents itself. And that, that's kind of, that's, that's been my instinctual vibe as far as like how, how I kind of live and do things. Um, And it's, it's always been foot on the gas pedal and and moving forward as, as fast as possible. And committed um, and committed to to the task in hand. Absolutely committed. You know, it's you know, doing the very best. I've I've always had a thing with trying to do the very best 
that I could at, at everything that I've done. And I think that that's something that, that, you know, everybody can kind of learn from is just, if you're going to do something, you know, do it to the best of your ability and, uh, and appreciate that. Um, and you know, that, that was kind of my mantra is if, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to, I'm going to go as hard as possible. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to be as, and I want to be the best, you know, I think the competitive side of me, um, you know, really has kind of created a monster when it came to learning about balayage and hair color, because I, I truly wanted to be the very best uh, at what I was doing. I like that, though. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to be your best. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're better than anyone else. It's still grounded, but it's just about being the best that you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I mean, growing, growing within yourself and being a better version of you each and every day, I think, I think is key. And I think that's what keeps you uh, grounded. I think that's what keeps you moving. I think that's what keeps you passionate and, and nice to be around yeah. is, uh, is, is growing into a better person in, in, in every way possible uh, each and every day and always moving forward. And all the, our guests on these podcasts all talk about their personal journey and their personal growth. And what's always so lovely is that everyone is really humble mm. about it. They're authentic and it doesn't feel pushed or forced, but they are all driven in their own different ways. Right. Really cool. You know, hum- being humble and humi- humility, it's, it's, it's something that uh, the, the world will hand you if you, don't, if you don't take care of it yourself. You know what I mean? And I think right now is a great example of, of what's going on is, is uh, we've all been humbled a little bit with and, and finding an appreciation in what we really took for granted as far as having, you know, even just our day by day. But, but if, you don't, if you don't remain humble, you know, if, you, if your grandma doesn't slap you, then, then the universe will. <laughs> I like that. That's another good one. Another nugget there. Another nugget. So what's, what, what was next? Because this is the bit that I think is really interesting. You took a big, big leap of faith in yourself, didn't you? So the independent education, I didn't, I didn't really understand at the time. There was Instagram had come out, Twitter was out, um, and uh, social media was just starting to kind of become a thing. But I was I was using it as, uh, you know, basically just to, 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 to joke around with my friends, you know, silly pictures of each other, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I went and trained with, uh, with two of my favorite people, Ted Gibson and Jason Bakke in Florida. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, all my social media had all, all these pictures of like, you know, people falling asleep at Starbucks and like, you know, my friends, if they got too drunk. And uh, I remember waking up after training with them one day and I saw that, that those two Jason Bakke and Ted Gibson were following me now on Twitter. And I, I, I lost my mind. I was terrified because now they had been involved in all of these hijinks that I've been, you know, doing. So I walked down to breakfast and there they were sitting with one seat in between them. And they, you know, they were telling me to come on over and, uh, you know, they were like, what the hell are you doing like this? You want people to think of you like this? Do you want, you know, you have no work on here. Like your work is beautiful. You should be exploiting that. And like, you don't understand the potential of what's to come with this. And they were talking about social media. Um, and I still didn't get it, but, but I followed their lead and, uh, you know, just started posting my work and stopped being a dumbass on social media. And, and, uh, and things, things really started to happen from there. I got, I got a, a substantial following from Arizona and, uh, and throughout the U S and at the same time, I was, I was working, I was really heavily immersed in, in L'Oreal. So working my ass off with L'Oreal and, and still taking everything from them and, and trying to help them out as much as possible. 
um, doing a little bit of teaching at the academy. And, and uh, finally, you know, I, towards the end there, um, and this was my lifelong goal, was to be, to be made a national educator for them. And I, I remember I finally, I finally, finally got that. And, uh, you know, to me, to me, life, life couldn't get any better at that point. So I was, I was just loving the craft. I was loving life. I was loving L'Oreal. And, you know, here comes, here comes the social media thing. And, uh, um, so my following is beginning to grow. And at that point, I don't know if, if you remember the good old days of social media, Jack, but it was like, Oh, follow for follow this and that. And it's, you know, you just kind of, everybody followed everybody. It was, it was really easy. Yes. It was really easy to gain followers because everybody was just following everybody, you know? So it wasn't like it is now where you got, you got a scratch and claw for anybody to pay attention to you. It was, it was, it was really quite simple at the time. I think that's another hashtag coming there. Scratch and claw. <laughs> yeah. Scratch and claw. Scratch and claw. Scratch and claw. Yeah. So, um, so here at this point, um, I'm getting a lot of messages on my social media. It's like, Hey, would you teach a class here? Would you teach a class here? And I remember going to L'Oreal and saying, Hey, you know, these people want to me to teach a class. And they were like, Oh no, no, no. Like, you know, you're, you're going through our system, you're doing this. And, and I was like, okay, well, you know, could I, could I hold just the, just a tiny uh, class at, at my salon? And they were like, do what, you know, you can, you can teach your staff, but, but, you know, we, we don't, we don't know quite what you're getting into. They didn't, they didn't know anything about social media. They didn't know anything about Instagram mm. or Twitter. Um, and, and nobody really did at the time. So at the same time, I, I decided to hold, uh, I decided to hold a little class, a little color class. Uh, and I just, I sold six tickets and was, was blown away that the class would even sell out. Was blown away that these people were, were this interested in hanging out with me for the day. Uh, was, was blown away that they would, you know, give me $100 for a ticket. You know what I mean? And um, mm. uh, it, it, it was wild because at that point it kind of triggered like, oh, wow, like I, I see something here. Um, and uh, I, I saw a future in that. So, of course, I started thinking yes, like... The, the rise of the independent educator right right it, it, social media made that happen because not all product companies were offering education that was relevant to commercial hairdressers and commercial hairdressers were suddenly seeing all the stuff that they wanted to do and it was all on the ground well and it, ha- it and it was happening so quickly and you're able to see you know social media you're able to see somebody from virginia and some you know it wasn't just and it, with all due respect obviously but it wasn't just the top 10 hairdressers in the world no. you you now you now were able to see everybody and uh, everybody. It, gave, it gave everybody a, a platform and and uh that that's when things that's when things really started to happen i i uh i kept getting contacted by this crazy woman her name is jenny streeby uh she goes by confessions of a hairstylist and and i remember she's she's an arizona she's an arizona product and, you know, she was like, hey, let's do a class together. Let's do a class together. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm solo right now. I'm not doing any classes with, with anybody outside of my salon. She was like, well, when can I start working at your salon? And I was like, shit, like, okay, like, I guess you can start next week. So, so there she was. Um, and she, she really um, was aggressive in trying to build a following, you know, being on all social media platforms. And uh, obviously she's a tremendously talented, talented businesswoman. And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, very talented at the same time. I mean, her work is, her work is fantastic. So awesome. Awesome. So so we started a small traveling independent course 
called braids and balayage. And I would, I would do balayage in the morning and then she would braid it up in the afternoon. And I mean, it, it exploded on the independent market and, uh, and we did, we did really well for a year on that. Um, obviously there was, there was some differences in opinion as to how I should go about things with, with the, the brand that I was working with. So, um, I remember going back to L'Oreal and, and, and saying, Hey, listen, like I'm, I'm kind of seeing something here. I'm seeing some sort of like uh, social media ambassador type role that I, that I'd like to do for you guys. You know, I felt like I owed L'Oreal so much and I did, and I still do. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to give back and I wanted to be the trailblazer for them actually in the beginning. Um, but I was, I was too early. I was too early in asking them for, for what I wanted because one, I didn't know how to explain what I wanted. And if you're ever going to get into the office with the vice president of L'Oreal, you better know what the fuck you want and you better know how to explain it. Um, yeah. So, so, um, you know, it, it was just a little early and they, you know, they were like, okay, well, how do you, how do you figure out these numbers? What's the monetary game? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, all that stuff makes me dizzy, Jack. So I was like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, you know, it's Instagram. I have 3000 followers and they were like, yeah, well, you know, sorry, we don't, we don't quite understand it. And they're like, but you know, you, you kind of are out of bounds by, um, you know, holding these independent classes. And, and I mean, they were right. Like that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily fair for, uh, for me to be doing. So at that point, I remember them saying, you know, Jay, if we, if we see that this works, if we see that this is going to be a thing, this social media thing, you know, L'Oreal has ways to just like make that happen. They can, you know, we, we would, we would make that purchase if it was deemed something valuable in us to buy. And I was like, yeah, you guys are right. So, so we parted ways on, on great terms. And, uh, and there I was alone trying to figure out like what the hell I was going to do next. You know, I had this traveling, um, braids and balayage with Jenny. Um, but I didn't see that going past the year. And, uh, and, and then I had my clients. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll just sit back and, and, and work with my clients and just kind of see, uh, you know, what opportunity comes up and I'll go from there. So I get a call, um, from a guy named David Thurston and David Thurston, uh, as, as of today is the the founder, him and his wife, Alexis is the founder of Pulp Riot. They created a, yes. they created, uh, the butterfly circus, which was an independent, uh, it was an independent class based upon social media presences. And, uh, it was supposed to move a little bit quicker. They had 30 minutes to kind of do their specialty and we would go through five people. So it was almost kind of like going through your social media and seeing this person, this person, this person. And it was, it was quick moving, you know, it was a little different than education had been in the past because typically it was, you know, you're looking at like a four to six hour set of, of one artist. And, uh, and we would just fly through these artists. And I remember thinking like this, this shit is crazy. Like, uh, like this is wild. And, and, you know, David, David, you know, I immediately trusted him. He, he just felt, he felt right to me instinctually. And uh, our conversation was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I remember him saying, like, what the fuck have you got to lose? Like, <laughs> come do this with me. And uh, I think that's so true, though, isn't it? It's the what did you have to lose in it at all? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. But you t- have to take a risk. He says, what the hell have you got to lose? Yeah. Dave, David Thurston's famous, famous words were, what the hell have you got to lose? And, uh, and there I was. Um, you know, we, we took social media by storm because he... He had found five other artists 
um, that had large social media presence. And we all posted at the same time, Butterfly Circus, buy your tickets now. And I remember it was in Los Angeles. And, you know, at that point, that was, that was the first and only time that you were able to see these Instagram sensations uh, all at one place. And I think, I think, uh, I think a hundred tickets sold out in like, it was like less than three seconds. Wow. So we decided to have another show and, and it was interesting because, you know, here I was coming from L'Oreal and it very, very prim, very proper, very, you know, you better have your shit together. If there's color on your nails, like you're not on the stage, you, you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, well, they're disciplines, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in, in, yeah. in such an amazing way. So, so here I am getting ready for, you know, I'm, I'm prepping for this show, you know, not, not really understanding anything that's going on, but, but, you know, having fun. And, and I'm surrounded by these other hairdressers, these Instagram sensations. And, and I was the only one there with, with any type of grooming, you know what I mean? So, so I had been, I had been with a, f- a formal, education formal education in educating. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was very interesting the the parallels, you know, we had no education, a lot of education. Um, we had people, uh, you know, some of the artists, uh, amazing things that nobody had ever seen before and, and, and they're being presented. And, and it, it was, it was just, it was, it was awesome because it was very raw. It was very real and, uh, and it was very relatable. So, you know, you have these hairdressers that have, you know, a hundred thousand followers and, you know, that, that people, other artists were kind of putting on pedestals, but then you had them right in front of you and they're, and they're being, you know, extremely raw and vulnerable because it was their first time basically educating at the same time. Yes. So it was very cool yeah. to be a part of. It was a very interesting time, I think, in that sort of whole Instagram world where people were seeking out influencers or hugely successful by their numbers hairdressers whose work that they liked. Right. But then those hairdressers had no education background and it was so difficult for them to learn how to communicate what they were doing, whereas you'd gone in with a, the strong education background, so the communication piece would have been easier and you wouldn't have been so nervous. But it was raw and it was a game changer for our industry, I think. Right. It was the... I noticed seeing all that stuff and I'm just like, wow, this is really cool because it, it seemed so non-branded, yet it was branded, right. of course. right. Well, I remember, you know, there was there was a divide for a while. And I think up until, you know, up until maybe last year, there was quite a divide between what I considered like the old school, very well-groomed hairdresser educator and then the new school mm-hmm. educator, which would be the, the social media side of things. And I remember I remember immediately trying to think of ways to connect those two, because here I was, you know, I'm hanging out with people like, you know, Joe DiMaggio, Susie Bond. Uh, uh, Joe Black, well, all all the you know what I consider old school hairdressers, and and I'm having to answer questions to them about these new people and like what's so you know what's so great about what they're doing you know they haven't had any education mm. and um, and I remember feeling just just a little you know not necessarily animosity but like you know kind of a what the hell situation where you know you got people busting their ass to be an educator for for thirty years. And then you have somebody that, that basically has been watching a lot of YouTube that now has 200,000 followers. You know what I mean? It's funny. Mary from behind the chair always 
when she talks about stuff and she's been on here and she says that in the old days you had to sort of work your way up and tap somebody on the shoulder and wait for them to bring you up as an educator and you had to work through all those parts and then suddenly Instagram came along and people were just hugely successful on it and suddenly they were there and there was this dichotomy of the two and they didn't fit well together whereas now you see this sort of evening of of the field because the the big influencers need the education piece and the big educators or what were big educators need the social media piece and they've got to merge together I love yeah I mean you said it absolutely perfect and I think I think that that's what what everybody kind of realized and that's what makes it so great now and I remember thinking like I just wish that I could connect this because I I had such an appreciation for both sides and I remember like kind of feeling pulled you know pulled in both directions because I had, I had experience in both sides now. So I I was kind of the, I was the purgatory artist. It was like, had the social media following, but also had the old school rep at the same time. So I I remember uh, all I wanted to do and my, my mission at the time was to try and connect those two. So, um, and at, at this point, you know, obviously not, not just because of me, but I, 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 that was, that was my goal in trying to connect the two, but you can see that. And just like you said, the two sides need each other now. So it's, it's been beautiful to watch as far as it coming together, because you're getting people with the raw talent that now are getting the old school skills uh, in, in presentation. And that's, that's what it's about as an educator, man. You know that Jack, it's, you can be a fantastically talented technical hairdresser, but if you can't tell people, you know, how to, how to, how to do that. And if you can't help people out and explain what you're doing, you know, you're dead in the water as far as as far as making, uh, you know, helping these other artists get get to where they're trying to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, if you've got to educate in sound bites, it's got to be clear. It's got to be simple, mm-hmm. um, and it's also got to, it's got to look good too. Right, right. So, Pulp Riot and you blew up. Pulp Riot and I Instagram. Blew up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or, or well, the Butterfly Circus to started to blow up Instagram. And then through that, um, uh, the Thurston's selected, I think they selected four people to be a part of that introductory um, founding team and ownership team uh, of Pulp Riot. So, and again, it was the same thing. David, David, <laughs> David basically said, you know, what, what have you got to lose? Like, let's, let's try this now. And the Butterfly Circus went on for about a year. And then, uh, you know, I think, I think his wheels were turning that whole time as far as like, who does he see being able to best represent Pulp Riot at the time? And, uh, yeah. and, and then that's when he formed that, that small ownership group that, uh, that turned into testing and, and, uh, and creating what is, what is Pulp Riot today? What an amazing risk and what an amazing story that is. That's brilliant. That's so cool. So you take on the Pulp Riot role and it, blows up they they did it their approach to messaging was completely different it was all instagrammable it was a game changer again and you're right at the heart of it what did that look like i mean it, it was it was it was beautiful to watch it was it was amazing to be a part of it still is i mean pulp riot i think was was game changing in the in the sense of very inclusive um rather than exclusive as far yes. as what they were doing Every, everybody was welcome um, and, and I think that, 
I, th- I think that that was really needed in the industry. I think that a community was kind of forming underneath and, you know, with, with the social media connections that they had and uh, Pulp Riot was something that could, they could bring them all together. And, and Jack, everybody was welcome. I mean, everybody, everybody was welcome to, to learn from everybody, you know, the forums and, and the, the chat rooms that we have are, are immense in like, you know, we're looking at like 30,000 people at this point. And, you know, it's, I think positivity and kindness is the only rule. And, uh, and, and that's been fantastic because it's really not only have we given tools to the artists to really cut loose and, and, you know, try and do whatever they can, um, with, with the color line that we've created, but, but there's, there's no rules. There's no boundaries with, with the exception of, you know, maintaining that you're positive to everybody else and that you're just a good human. Yeah. I, what I thought was interesting about it was suddenly there was this, not riot, but riot is the kind of word, riot of colorists who dressed differently. They were, um, they were a little bit more out there. They wasn't, it wasn't such a conservative. And sometimes the big product companies always want you to be like a little bit formal, whereas this was really just out there. And it, I think that appealed to a moment <laughs> in time as well, didn't it? it yeah, absolutely. Different. I mean, and, and, you know, at the time too, and still like I, I was, I was still it, in my mind, I'm still that L'Oreal hairdresser. I'm still the, the prim and proper, like rule abiding uh, educator you know, all black when you educate and, you know, with, you know, with the exception, I, I did kind of change up the wardrobe a little bit because I was able to, as far as being a Pulp Riot member. But um, I remember it was like, you know, no color on the hands and still, you know, you got to present yourself this way. And I mean, a lot of that, a, a lot of that wasn't happening. I mean, you were, you were, you were free to do exactly what you wanted, you know, be exactly who you wanted to be uh, present exactly how you wanted. And, and, you know, that's, that's where I kind of saw my role as a senior member of, of this crazy crew was, was trying to share with them all that I knew. So, so I was, I really took on, um, the challenge of, of refining them and helping to refine them and, and, you know, helping them find the words and kind of almost being like a, you know, as a senior member, just someone that they could kind of look to, to, uh, to help them get their message out as best as they could. So it was, it was great because I, I feel like I was a, a good fit and still am a good fit for, for Pulp Riot because of what I can offer um, with the history that I have in the industry. Yeah, it's so funny though, isn't it? It's ironic that you started out as some sort of, you know, doing your own thing with hair color with all your mates and then a guy helps you along and makes a change for you and mentors you and then you go into beauty school and get mentored then you go out on your own and you get mentored and then you end up mentoring yeah, yeah. yourself what a, that's, that's the beautiful thing about our industry isn't it that you start you can start from absolutely anywhere and you can go absolutely anywhere yeah I, if you if i would have stepped back well first i just wanted to own a salon right and then you know we're moving on to uh let's see we're on salon number four at this point um, the, the, and they've all kind of merged into one, the same one. So one salon, um, but I've had four in the past. So that was my original goal was just to, just to be a salon owner. And that was based off of the fact that I just didn't want anybody telling me what to do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, get, I know that feeling. And then, and then somehow, somehow 
making my way into the independent education. And I mean, and I'm, I'm so thankful that, that anybody would, would want to give me their attention to see, you know, technically what I was doing or, or any bit of advice that I had. Um, that's, you know, I, I have so much gratitude for that. Moving into actually being able to own uh, or be part owner of, of, you know, what is turning into the, the fastest growing color line in, in the, in the world right now. So, so I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, it's a testament to really anything being possible. And I think, I think, you know, people have been able to see that journey on social media. So, so they feel connected to what I'm doing. Um, and, and, you know, if, if I could tell everybody anything, it, it would be just that, like, you got to know that anything and everything is possible. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of hard work involved. There's always hard work involved. Absolutely. Somehow, I feel like I know your salon because it's bright, it seems big, it seems airy. Mm-hmm. It, how, big is the, how big is the salon? So it's, the salon the salon's only 3,000 square feet. 3,000 square feet. Only 3,000 square feet. <laughs> that's huge for us. Well, for, in England, that's massive. So, so it's 3,000 square feet. We have, uh, we have 17 stations in this particular uh, salon. Um, we're building uh, this area of, of Arizona has been absolutely great to us, uh, but we are moving um, a little bit west uh, into an up-and-coming area with a little bit more space and, uh, and really taking everything that I've learned. You know, Jack, I've, I've probably made every mistake that there is possible in, in every way of life. My only rule that I have with myself is, is don't make it again. Um, so I've kind of, you know, and I don't know... <laughs> The whole work smarter, not harder thing is, is, has always been tough for me because I've always just, just bowled through uh, everything as far as like picking up my lessons and, and learning in that fashion. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and educating myself through, you know, actually listening to my elders and listening to, to people that have been where I am trying to go. So, uh, but, but that, that, that's pretty recently still. Um, so I'm taking everything that I've learned in the four salons that I've had and putting them into this this last place. And we're calling this last one Bespoke the Final Frontier because uh, because <laughs> I, I don't I don't know that I'm going to do it again. We're building this one from the ground up, and uh, wow! And uh, you know we actually own the property, which is which is which is uh, going to going to help out long term. Um, yeah, definitely. And everything that I'm putting into the salon is, you know, with the mindset to, to give back to, to the artists that, that share the building with me, because I really, I really just want it to be a place that, that they never want to leave, you know? So I want to give them every opportunity they could possibly imagine, uh, within our building. And obviously if they want to, you know, outside of owning their own salon, which I would, I would fully support any of them in doing so, um, that I, I, you know, we want, we want to have everything in house. So, um, we've created at this point, we have an educational curriculum that we use. Um, and we recently, as of last year, we have, we started a commission team. So a very fair based commission, uh, side of the salon. And then we have our renters as well. So my goal and what I'm doing right now, myself and my wife, um, is creating a commission system where they can make money and we can help them gain a clientele. And then after, uh, I think it's 36 months is what we're doing. They're able to rent if they want, but they have to, you know, that you got to earn that rental spot. But I want to make sure that they understand that, that once they, they, you know, get past those 36 months, if they want to rent, 
um, they absolutely can and still be in our building. Because, I mean, what happens now is that's, that's, that's the goal a lot of the time is for people to, to rent their own space. Um, so why not create an area where they can actually do that with me and they can stand to the same roof. They can have the guidance that we're still able to give them. Uh, but also, yeah. also when you rent, um, you know, you're going to be responsible for your taxes. Now you're going to be responsible for your color order. And you know, what we're finding is, is with the fairness of the commission that we're offering, a lot of people are like, they don't, they don't, don't want to do don't it. Mess there's with there's no need to do it. Yeah. And I think that is an industry-wide problem. Um, In the USA, you have a lot of people that go to work in booths and suites. And I think, one, it must be incredibly lonely and and it can be really tough. But part of the reason people push into that is because salon owners don't pay people fair wages. Right. And everybody wants to live a good life, don't they? And we know that this industry can provide a good life. So I'll take my hat off to you on that one. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we're we're gonna see how this goes. I I just you know the turnover. I get I get so you, you get close with people, and I just don't. You know, I think as I get older and I have I have kids and everything, I just my the heart gets a little softer, and you just don't ever want anybody to leave. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too soft now. I know, right? <laughs> right. Uh, in this moment, as we speak, we're all in lockdown with Corona. And lots of us are planning and plotting and thinking about when we get out of here, because, of course, we hairdressers do not want to be locked inside all day. What is your one thing that you've taken away from this? I think more than anything, I think I think I've just been welcoming each day with with just a a different set of eyes. And and that didn't happen in the beginning. It happened over time, I feel like in the beginning, it was just like, okay you know, this will pass and back to work, back to work, you know, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm always moving. I'm always going. And I think as time went on, when, when you're, when you're on lockdown and you, and you can't enjoy the amazing life that you had, which is just, which is normal. And we just, you know, take it for granted, I guess. Um, it, it really got me to a point where I, I truly have been welcoming each day and appreciating, you know, the things uh, the things that we have. And, and I, I just mean like the normalness of, of, uh, you know, being able to have a conversation person to person, being able to, you know, a hug, um, and, uh, and just enjoying those times. I think, I think I've really learned, you know, to, to really appreciate the, the, the human connection, which, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, you would have asked me that and I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but, but at this point, just having that, that interaction and, you know, and the connection human to human, um, I think is something that I'll, that I'll continue to appreciate in this, you know, this, uh, this new normal that we have. Yeah. Um, the new normal. Yeah. And I've got one more quick one for you. Have you learned to do a TikTok dance yet? <laughs> so I, I, I keep, my wife is really on me about this, Jack. And like, I, I have, for some reason, I'm being really stubborn about TikTok. I will not create my own account. However, uh, I will let my wife exploit me on her account. So, so I haven't done a dance yet. And, I, uh, and, and that actually, the, the dance part actually concerns me being that being, <laughs> I could probably pull a muscle, man. So, so, um, well, well, Cindy is absolutely gorgeous and she probably looks great on TikTok as well. So she's absolutely stunning. She looks fantastic all the time. She's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate that she, that she 
hadn't had her vision checked in years before she married me. So, so uh, I got super well, lucky there. Um, I look forward. To, I look forward to seeing a TikTok dance from you, my friend. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I know it's coming. I think she's gonna make me do it. I've already done a. I did a couple voiceovers, so I, I got my feet wet a little bit. So I'm, I'm ready for the dance now. Great chatting with you today. I wanted to let everyone know that it's J Wesley Olson on Instagram. On there, you'll find great hair. On his stories, you'll find his beautiful family and his lovely life. And um, I'd just like to thank you so much, Jay. Thank you for coming on. Jack, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It's, I've, I've looked up to you for so long. You've, you've, been, you've been a mentor across the pond for me for, for years. Uh, so, so thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure and an honor. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been great chat. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor, C-O-L-O-R.com. Mm-hmm.